it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The field was not sloppy. The field was perfect. We just didn't play well. You know, I don't think the field gave up 230 yards rushing. I think our defense yeah. did that. I think our right. defense gave up those 250 passing to Peyton. We just didn't make enough plays. That's, that's, that's why we lost that game. Our offense played good enough to win. Our defense just didn't show up that day. Today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for 20 years, whether it's leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, folks, they've got a fix for you. And their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W, WRXplumbing.com. My guest on the podcast today, one of the best middle linebackers to ever play. He was a standout for the Chicago Bears. He was NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2000. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in 2005. Four-time first-team All-Pro. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler. He was a member of the NFL 2000's All-Decade Team. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And yesterday on No Filter Network, nofilter.net, I had a chance to speak to the great Brian Erlocker. Hope that you are having a good day. Hard to believe it's uh, April 1st, which means April Fool's. Does that mean I'm going to have a guest? It's April Fool's, right? Yeah, of course. We're just messing around here. Hey, I had a really good time uh, the other evening with, you know, Brian and, 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 and Chris and just talking about, you know, a whole bunch of different things, man. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, that, that was great. Uh, it really was good. So um, anyway, we're going to be talking with Brian here coming up in uh, just a moment. Uh, hard to believe baseball starting today. Can you freaking believe that they've already had a postponement? It's an absolute pleasure to be with the Hall of Fame linebacker from the Chicago Bears, Brian Urlacher. You see him a lot here on No Filter. Just go to nofilter.net. Look at all the shows that are scheduled. I had a chance uh, two nights ago to be on with uh, Brian and the fellas. Had a great time. Brian, how's your day going, man? Pretty good. Went for a bike ride this morning. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> the kids are school. I got my bike right in and just hanging out. How about you? Hey, I'm doing good. You know, I was looking at everything that you accomplished, and I always love talking to athletes that are no longer – playing that are retired do you remember around what age it was 
where you recognized that, hey, you were probably better than a lot of the other guys on the field or the court or on the track? Uh, in, uh, probably in college. You know, in high school, I didn't think I was that great. I excelled, but I didn't think I was that great. I didn't feel like – and the good thing I had going for me was no one told me I was great. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't have people filling my head with, the, oh, you're the best, you're this, you're that. So I always think I had that kind of desire to get better. But I think when I got to college my last couple of years is when I felt like I was I was pretty good. You talk about getting to college your last couple of years. There was a coaching change after your sophomore year, and they brought in Rocky Long. Had yeah. that not happened, do you think that would have affected the trajectory of your career? 100%. You know, uh, my first coaches were awesome. Coach Franchione was amazing, great staff. But I didn't get to do – I didn't get to showcase, I guess, my athletic ability in that defense. You know, when Ro Rocky Long came in, they changed – he had a scheme where we had a rover and I was the rover. And I got to play free safety. I just ran around the field, basically, not, not getting blocked, just running to the football. I got to play receiver. I got to return punts. And I think had Coach Franchoni stayed there, I wouldn't have got to do all those things. So it definitely showed my athletic ability and, and my just ability to be a football player. You were born in Washington. You end up in New Mexico. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself the ninth pick of the yeah. 2000 draft. Was that a culture shock for you, going to Chicago from New Mexico? Uh, yeah, going from Lovington, my hometown, to Albuquerque was a culture shock for me. You know, that's 9,000 <laughs> people to yeah. 700,000, 700,000 to 7 million in Chicago, you know, in, you know, months was uh, pretty crazy. Luckily, we lived up, you know, we out of this, out of the city in the suburbs. But, man, it's, it's crazy how much bigger the, the jumps are. Because I went radically, you know, those, those three jumps were pretty big. But, you know, the people in Chicago were great. Uh, the people in the Midwest are really nice. I, uh, it wasn't hard. It was just different getting used to traffic. And I grew up in a town of 9,000 people. We didn't have traffic. It took five minutes to get from one side of town to the other as if you cut a red light. So just different, like getting, getting stuff ready and things like that. I had Robbie Gold on my show a couple of weeks oh, ago. Yeah. Good guy. The best. Oh, Robbie. Just, yeah, he, he's just good people. Yep. And we were just talking about being in that city with all of the energy when it comes to sports, regardless of it's the Hawks or the Bulls or the Cubs or the White Sox and the Bears, yeah. that just had to be unbelievable to be an athlete in that environment during that time. Man, our fans are passionate. I think that's what any sport, you know, it doesn't matter if it's football, like you said, other sports as well. They're passionate, man. They care about their sport there. And, and they turn out, no matter what the weather's like, no matter what the wins and loss records it is, they turn out for their, for their teams. Uh, it's amazing. And I didn't realize, you know, I didn't grow up a Bears fan, so I didn't realize what I was getting into when I got drafted there. But you quickly realize how passionate the fans are. You know, I, grew, I actually grew up a Cubs fan because of WGN. In the summer, I would yep. watch baseball on WGN and TBS with the Braves. But I was a Cubs fan, so that was cool to get a chance to go there and, and be, be around that. But just to see their uh, emotion for their teams is, is pretty pretty awesome. Now, once you signed with the Bears, you threw out the first pitch at Wrigley Field. Was that one of the most nerve-wracking things you've ever done? Grant, man, it, it was stressful because, you know, I grew up watching the Cubs. I grew up watching Harry Carey sing the seventh inning stretch, you know. And to be here, that was the first time I ever went, went to Wrigley Field was when I threw out the first pitch. So to be at Wrigley Field throwing out the first pitch the day after you get drafted, stressful as hell. You know, I was like, oh, shit, this is it's very nerve-wracking. But at the same time, it was cool to be there. I grew up watching the NFL in the 60s. I watched Dick Butkus play in person. I watched Jim Brown play in person. I watched yeah. Johnny Unitas play. I, I, I was blessed to be in that era. 
And of course, when you think of the Bears, you think of middle linebackers. And so you go in there and boy, your first year, your defensive rookie of the year. I don't know if it's a mindset, a feel, that organization with that ownership. The history of that franchise, is that something that's instilled you from the second you walk into the door there? It is. You know, you, you, it's it's in the building. You walk in, you see all the great players. You know, we have the most Hall of Famers of any any franchise. And you see it on the walls. You know, it's all around you. And and if you don't realize it, the media will make sure you realize it very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> how, how lucky you are to play for that franchise and just the history of not just that franchise, but defense in that organization. You know, if yeah. you play defense or more, and I'm going to say as a middle linebacker, that's where you want to go. You know, you look at the first middle, Bill George, first middle linebacker of all time. Then you got Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary. I luckily fell in line with those guys, but it's just, it's amazing the tradition and how they keep getting, it's like, I guess it's like Green Bay and, and quarterbacks. You know, they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers yeah. and leave, you know, kind of had the lineage there of defensive players, not just middle linebackers, D linemen as well. It's crazy how it always works out that way in Chicago on defense. You know, that 85 Bears team, you talk about Singletary, you talk about the front four, and then you talk about the linebackers, you know, with Otis Wilson and Wilbur Marshall, who had come over from Washington. You, you look at the secondary of that team, and again, I've been watching football for a long time. I, I, to me, and I always love getting in this debate, that's the greatest defense I've ever seen in the history of the NFL for one year. I don't think there's ever been a better defense than that 46 defense that Buddy Ryan put out on the field. I agree with you. You look at what they did and the numbers they didn't allow. You know, the stats that the offenses were abysmal against them. They didn't give up anything. They didn't give up rushing yards, passing yards. They had sacks, takeaways. And I look at those the numbers I look at are sacks and takeaways, forced, you know, forced fumbles. And they had everything. They filled up every third down defense is a big one as well. But they filled up every stat line and they were physical. I mean, you look at the hits that, and this is back when you could play football and actually hit people. You know, they could get away with some things. But, man, the, to do what they did to that quarterback in the in the Super Bowl versus New England, I felt bad for him. They they roughed him up pretty good. They did it all season long to everyone they played. But, yeah, you look at – I think they had, what, three or four Hall of Famers on that defense. You had um, Singletary, Hampton, Dent. I think McMichael should probably be in there as well. Jimbo Cover, I think, just got in uh, offensively. Walter, obviously, offensively. But there's just – they had a bunch of guys in that team that, that were great at what they did. You know, you talk about when you were able to play football, and it was about 10 years ago. I had Harry Carson on my radio show, and Ooh, he floored me one. with the answer. He was great. He, he floored yes. me, Brian, with an answer to my question because he answered it differently than anybody I had ever interviewed before. I said to him, I go, if you could go back, Harry, and do it all over again, would you do anything differently? And he said, yeah, I wouldn't have played football. He goes, if I had known then – what I know now, I wouldn't have played. I've talked with players like Jim Otto, who's in his 80s, who's lost a leg. He's had 90 surgeries. Yeah. I've, I'm good friends with Fred um, Fred Belitnikoff, belongs to my club. I've talked to him a number of times about this and many right. other athletes, more former NFL players. And you know what, Brian? Every single one says they would do it again because there was nothing like running out of the tunnel on Sunday afternoons. Are you surprised? Again, Harry's dealing with dementia right now. Are you surprised, number one? Yeah. That he answered the question that way. And number two, how concerned are you about your future as you get older? I'm, I'm very surprised to answer it that way. But, you know, he's dealing with things I haven't dealt with before, so I can't speak for him. But um, I think you'll hear that, that answer more and more from players as time goes on. So I think you, that won't be as uncommon as, as it is right now. Um, I'm not concerned about myself, you know, I, I, and to go back to – there's nothing else I would have done for 13 years and played professional football. Man, it afforded me – 
so many things in my life. And, and number one, I love football. You know, you go, you get not run, run out of the tunnel, all that bull crap. I don't care about that. To get a chance to play football with my teammates, my friends, my coaches, uh, to be around them, not just during the games, but during the week of practice, man, we had a blast. I, I mm-hmm. Those are the things I miss the most about football is just being around the guys all week long, you know, 10 hours a day practicing, block meetings, boring as hell, but we made it fun. Um, but, you know, going forward with – I'm still – Pretty sharp for me, right? I've never been super smart, but you know, pretty pretty smart for a guy my age right now. But yeah, those things you have to you think about right now as as it becomes more of the forefront now with the the history, uh, the research and everything they have going to the um, the CTE and all that stuff. And I know guys who are dealing with it uh, on, on a smaller scale, but you know, it's a thing now, and I understand why you answered it that way. That's for damn sure. I interviewed you back in 2018 on the driving range at uh, Edgewood for that great celebrity golf tournament. You look yeah. in an unbelievable shape. You're unbelievably fit. When you get up in the morning, do you have things that bother you on a daily basis, or are you pretty good right now? For, the, for what I did for a living, I'm great. My lower back gets so tight, Grant. I, th- I don't know if it's just a guy thing, because a lot of my buddies who didn't play football, their lower backs. My son's 15. He's always complaining <laughs> about how tight his lower back is. So it may just be a guy thing, but – for what I did for a living for so long, my, my wrist is probably the worst thing I have. I dislocated my wrist in 2009, and I have arthritis in there. But other than that, um, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. You know, I, I get out, I go out and ride my mountain bike pretty much every day, play golf as much as I can, and I love to fish. And I can do the thing I'm most excited about, I can do whatever my kids want to do. I don't have any restrictions on playing catch or I don't run full speed but I can still run around with them because I want to pull a muscle, <laughs> but I, uh, I can still do whatever they want me to do physically. How much of your work ethic came from your mother? My parents were uh, all of it. I think, I mean, I just, just to see my parents and before my mom got married to my stepfather to see what she went through. My mom was a single mother with three kids. Uh, my sister was a year older than me, a year and 10 days. My brother is a year and three months younger than me. So bang, 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 three knuckleheads in a row. And she was a single mother you know, we moved to New Mexico after that and her and my, my real dad got divorced and she busted her ass, man. She went to work every day to make sure that we could, you know, we didn't live great, but we got by. And she, the major thing to me was she, we never missed a practice. She never missed one of our games. And, I'm, and I have three kids now. I'm like, damn, how does she do it? I don't even work. I'm like, how did my mom do that? She never missed anything. I'm always complaining about all oh, they have games at the same time. They have practice. She did it. You know, I commend her. I look up to her. But yeah, her, her and my stepfather, seeing them go to work every day for my you know whole ch- childhood was a, a big impact on my work ethic. Let's fast forward now. You've been in Chicago. You went to a defense that was absolutely putrid. They were one of the worst in the NFL. And I think within five years, you're playing in the Super Bowl. You beat New Orleans in the NFC Championship game. Players always dream about going to the Super Bowl, but you lose. But the build up to that, was it everything that you thought it would be? And then some. Never would have expected. You know, you, you, everyone loves watching Super Bowl, and you don't understand, I guess, the buildup or what it takes when you get down there. I mean, you got to. It was in Miami. Just the yep. concentration. And what I tried to do is I tried to treat it like a regular game because I didn't know I didn't know any other way to do it. You know, I tried to have a regular week where I did my same schedule in Miami that I did in Chicago, so I wasn't out of my element too much. It's just hard to do that because there's so many pools and. People pulling you here, pulling you there. Our coaches did a great job of making sure that we didn't get out of line. You know, if 
my thing was if you if you go out during the week at home, go out during the week in Miami. <laughs> do what you do. Uh, just do it, you know, at a smaller scale maybe. But a lot of guys like to go out on Friday nights during the season. I wasn't one of those guys. Sometimes I did. So if you do that at home, do it in Miami. Who cares? It's, it's another game. Uh, if you have a routine, stick to it. But we just – the thing that was crazy was the amount of media we had to deal with. Every day you had to speak to the media for at least an hour. That was different because during season you had one day a week where you sat in front of the podium and answered questions for 20 minutes. And Super Bowl, you have media, you have the media day on Tuesday, and then every day of the week, you have time set aside. So that was the biggest difference, but it's just, it's amazing the hoopla for that game. I didn't realize until until playing in it. I was there covering uh, on Media Row for, I think, three or four days that week, and the weather all week was beautiful, and then it rained at the game on Sunday. I know. Hey, both, teams, both teams are playing on the same field, but do you think that affected yeah. the way your team played? No, I don't, I don't believe the weather had any... You know, the field was not sloppy. The field was perfect. We just didn't play well. You know, I don't think the field gave up 230 yards rushing. I think our defense did that. I think our right. defense gave up those 250 passing to Peyton. We just didn't make enough plays. That's, that's that's why we lost that game. Our offense played good enough to win. Our defense just didn't show up that day. You and I were talking the other day with Chris Rose, and it drives me crazy, these pro day workouts that we see with the quarterbacks who are out yeah. there in shorts and short sleeve shirts, no helmets, no defense, and people rave about them. And yet you've got every snap that they've had in high school, every snap that they've had in college on tape, and yet people get like wooed and wowed and crazy and just like they they hyperventilate over a workout. I, that, I don't understand that. Help me out with that. I don't get it either. You know, I'd rather watch tape on a guy. You have, you know, 40 games from college or whatever you want to look at. Why do you need to go watch their pro day where everything is scripted for them to be successful? I get it. You know, I understand you want to see them in person. You want to see their build and their, you know, how they move around in person. I understand that. But, man, if you've got a guy's tape, what more do you need? You see them in live action, you know, against some of the better defenses in college. Most of these guys playing pretty good defenses. What more do you need to see? I, I, I just don't get the, the whole pro day. People get enamored by these guys. Running, you know, I understand you're going to run a 40, you know, your, your bench press, all that stuff. You, you got the measurables. But, I mean, for the for the actual reps and get, seeing the guys in action, tape's plenty for me, I would, I would think. You know, they didn't have the combine, obviously, because of the pandemic. And I, I think I read, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you did, you benched 235 27 times at the combine when you were, when you were getting ready yeah, to come into the draft? I did it 27 times. I did, yep. Wow. That's unbelievable. So I wasn't going to do the combine, Grant. I was going to go because, well, so, oh man, that's a good story because I, I was, I was going obviously to the combine, but I wasn't going to do anything except the bench and the interviews. I've been instructed that, hey, don't, guys don't run on this turf, the turf slow this. And then I was like, okay, I won't run. And then I get there and I go to the meetings and the night before we're supposed to run the 40s, Coach Blosh, who's the Bears decoy at the time, goes, you run the 40? I go, no, sir. He goes, why not? You have something to hide? I was like, no, I just, I was instructed I shouldn't run the 40 because it's a slow track. He goes, are you in shape? I was like, yeah. He goes, why the hell wouldn't you run then? He goes, you got every GM here, every head coach, every scout. He goes, on your pro day, they're not all going to be there. I was like, oh, you're right. You know, so I was like, you know what, screw it. Next day I did everything. I ran, I ran a four, five, seven, four, five, whatever it was, fast enough, did the drills. I'm glad I did because, like he said, my pro day, they're not all going to fight Albuquerque to watch me do my drills. So I'm, I'm glad I did everything. And then on my pro day, I didn't do shit. <laughs> I didn't do anything when they came to my school, let the other guys do their stuff. I worked out for the Niners and that's all I did. And then that was it. I'm so glad I worked out the combine though. When I talk to young players, rookies, first year players in the NFL, and I talk to them about the game and what they experienced, they all say the same thing, that the speed 
to the game is so different than college. Did, did you experience that? And how long did it take you before the game started to slow down for you? So it's, it is a speed. I agree with that. But, you know, college is pretty – athletically, there's great players in college as well. But it's the mental speed, I believe, is what people are talking about. Because if you're fast, you're fast. You know, you, you can play at a certain speed or whatever. But it's how fast you process information, how fast you can dissect things, whether it's a quarterback, a linebacker, whatever. It's how fast you dissect information, I think, is the hardest thing. Because it happens so quick in the NFL. You know, if you don't – if you take a false step, if you don't know exactly what you're doing every single play, you're going to get exposed. That's all there is to it. So I think once you know exactly what you're doing and what your key is on certain plays, the game will slow down drastically. It took me my, – my first year, it probably took me eight or nine games to figure out what the hell I was doing. But once I figured out what I was doing and the game, like you said, slows down for you, then you just become a football player. You're reacting. You're not worried about where you're supposed to line up, what your key is. And then and when Lovey got to Chicago, <clears throat> that's when the game really slowed down for me because that, that defense is so simple. We had literally we go into a game with seven defenses. That was it. Our game plan was seven things, and we we were going to do those seven things great, and that was it. We didn't make mistakes mentally. So I think once guys forgot what they're doing mentally, physically, most guys can play in NFL. It's it's this part of the game that guys have a hard time with sometimes. Your style of play, the physical nature of Chicago Bears defense, is it hard for you to watch the way the game is played now? It's frustrating. I'll tell you that much. It's, I get it. I totally understand where the NFL is going with it. I don't like it, but I get it. It's just, you know, defensive players have to be so careful, you know. And the thing that drives me crazy, Grant, is you have offensive linemen cutting defensive linemen's knees out or running backs chopping guys. Why is that okay? Our, our knees aren't important to us. You know, I just, I don't, you know, if we're not going to be able to hit guys full speed or hit them, you know, above the head or there's such a small area that the, not we, the defensive players can hit offensive guys, but they can cut cut our knees out. They can do whatever. I just wish it was more of a level playing field, I guess, when it came to that because I, I'm, our defensive players, they're pretty important as well when it comes to the success of the game, but it, it's tough to watch right now. The thing that drives me crazy is how do you play defensive back in the NFL right now? You can't, can't touch them over no. five yards. You can't – any little tug is a penalty. I'm just – I mean, these guys have to be phenomenal, and they should be the highest-paid guys in the league because they can't do their job without – getting a penalty call on them, especially on third and 20. You refs can't wait to throw a flag on third and 20 when it's nothing even close to being a penalty. Drives me crazy. Here's the part that I've, I've always tried to understand, but I can't because I never played in the NFL, particularly for veterans. You're, you've been taught to play a certain way ever since you put cleats on. You go to high school, you go to college, you play the same way, you get into the NFL, you play the same way, and then boom, all of a sudden you can't use your head, you can't do this, you can't do that. I wonder how damn hard that is for guys to adjust to that. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, you've been taught a certain way to tackle, to hit, to see things, and then all of a sudden, hey, change it. Yeah, I, luckily for me, I didn't have to go through that because at the end of my career is when they just started implementing all the new rules and they weren't as strict as they are now. But, yeah, you, you but now, you know, my son plays high school football. They're teaching kids a different way to tackle now, which, you know, if that's the way the game's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. But I, I believe there's been more injuries the last few years than there has been in the past for some reason. I don't understand, not not necessarily concussions, but, you know, just more injuries for some reason. I think it could be from the lack of contact that these players are getting in training camp. The summer workouts are, are, are less and less now than they have been. But, you know, to train yourself to, to tackle a different way is tough when you've been doing it your whole life. 2018, again, the driving range at Lake Tahoe, and you're getting ready to go to Canton, to be inducted into the 
Pro Football Hall of Fame. Take me back three years ago and that experience. Man, it, it was, first of all, I'm so glad it's all stressed out. <laughs> you know, you, you, you worry, you watch it on TV and the guys do such a great job with their speeches and it's, they're so classy. And I didn't see myself as being that way. You know, going into that, I was like, man, I, I don't speak that well. I don't, I don't come across that way. It's just hard for me to see myself up there doing that. And I worked on my speech for a month and a half to, I hired a guy to help me. Arthur helped me, uh, Arthur Joseph, a great speech guy out in California, helped me. I wrote my speech, but he helped me fine tune it, helped me. I'm a really fast talker, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I like to talk fast, but I tried to work on that to slow down, but I was so stressed out about giving my speech, you know, and then my wife did such a great job of getting everyone there because people don't realize the logistics of getting 300 people there, of your family, oh your friends, you know, it's people from childhood, high school, college, NFL, in the last 25 years of your life, you're getting them all together, probably for the first time, everyone together at something like this. So it, it was an amazing experience. You know, uh, I was really happy. My my kids were at an age where they could understand it, which was cool as hell. My, my oldest now is 20. My little ones are 16 and 15. But back then, you know, they were almost teenagers or two teenagers and my son was, I think, 12. So just really cool. You know, once I was done with my speech, I was like, I'm in. I'm done. The weekend's over. I can relax now. And the funny story, so I'm not a napper. I don't take naps, really. I'm, I, you know, I wake up, I go through the whole day. The three days when I got back from Canton, I took a nap every single day when I got back. <laughs> My wife was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm just worn out, man, mentally, emotionally. It's a it's a big weekend. So um, it was amazing, though, just to be a part of that and see all the players be around the guys that come back every year. It, it was really – and I knew most of them, but just to be around them in that in that setting was really cool. When you look back at your career, are there any regrets? I, obviously, I wish I won a Super Bowl. That's the biggest one. You know, we had a chance to win that one in 06. We didn't do it. But, man, yeah. uh, playing-wise and things I did, and no, man, I, I was proud of the way I played the game. I think I did it the right way for the most part. You know, I went out there. I, I got I got a lot of flack sometimes from, from ex-Bears because I would tackle a guy and I would help him up. <laughs> the Buckers were like, why is he helping these guys up? Because it doesn't mean I'm not going to hit you the next play. But, you know, I don't see a problem helping a guy up. So what? Next play, I'm going to hit you again. I hope you up again. But no, I mean, I, I felt like I was a good teammate. I felt like, and that was my number one thing. I always wanted to be a good teammate to the guys. I felt like I knew all my teammates well. Even the, even during training camp, you know, you, you bring 100 guys in. I knew everyone's name from the free agents to the guys who didn't get drafted. I always felt like I wanted to know those guys because they, they could be a part of your team. And you want to know those guys. You want them to know you because they're going to help you during the season, help you win games. So I always wanted to know everybody. But no regrets, man. I loved it. It was fun. I had a blast. I wish I wouldn't have got hurt as much as I did. But I, I had a blast when I played. You talk about the history of the Bears. You know, in 19, uh, in the mid-80s, I was working downstate in Decatur, Illinois, covered the Bears, uh, their Super Bowl run. So I was on the sideline at Soldier Field a couple of times for games. But the year after the Bears win the Super Bowl, I'm up in Platteville, Wisconsin, at their training camp. And I'll tell you right now, if you see yeah. Jim, they had all these scooters. I'm telling you, you should see Jim McMahon riding his scooter on the sidewalk, like literally trying to run over people. But the best look was you had Fridge on a scooter with Walter Payton on the back, okay? And I'm I'm watching his scooter leave the practice field, and I swear, I swear, Brian, I go, I'm like, that freaking tire is going to pop. But covering that team, I, I know you've heard stories. There was nothing like that. And I've been covering sports for a long time. I don't know if I've ever experienced being around a group of guys like that. The characters they had, and you said it just – you know, they had McMahon, Walter was a prankster, the fridge, the D linemen were all just big. Fun. Like, I feel like they, they, like you, those guys had fun. You know, you, 
you watch yeah. them play, obviously when you dominate like that, it's fun. But that team was special, and, and then that coach Dicka, obviously the the, uh, the ringleader of it all. But and Buddy Ryan, you know, but to see just the camaraderie they had, and they got along. You know, I think they pulled for each other as competitive as they were, and they wanted you know to to win. They pulled for the other guys to do well on their team. I think that's what you have to do to be successful. But man, so many great characters on that team. And not just, around, I mean, league-wide characters, not just p- p- for Chicago, but they're known for their character around, around the NFL. So now, you know, you've been retired for a couple of years, and we've seen you on No Filter and doing things. I know you got into broadcasting for a while after you got done with playing, but it's kind of nice on this format. We can just shoot the shit. I know I've seen you on with some of the other fellas. You enjoying this? It's amazing to just get, I don't, I don't get nervous. You know, it's not you can be yourself. You don't have to watch what you say. For the most part, you don't have to watch what you say, but it's just nice right. to get on. And all the guys on this No Filter Network are good people. Everyone I've talked to, everyone I've interacted with, have been fun. And you have Ashley uh, Haas on there, the, the supermodel, talking about football. And she's unbelievably knowledgeable about football. So when she talks, I'm like, damn, she knows what she's talking about. But just to hear the people in the different uh, – Jeremy Rose, a good friend of mine, and he can talk about anything, you know, hockey, football, baseball – uh, golf. It's nice, just the different, the different stuff you can talk about on here, and it doesn't have to be about football or your your sport. It's just it's fun to shoot the shit about whatever. And Burnsy is an animal. Eric Burns is oh, an he's animal. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's a freak. He's an animal. I love the guy. He's got so much energy. Yeah. It's just a great platform to get on here and, and, like you said, shoot the shit. You know what I love about Burnsy? There, there are guys, you know, that talk the talk and then walk the walk, and Burnsy does it all. And I just yeah. love. That, okay, you know what? He was bothered by what he saw in our youth around the country with physical education programs being cut and child obesity, and we can go on and on. And now with this pandemic and, you know, kids are locked up and they're not getting any exercise. For him to, like, say, you know what? Okay, I'm sending a message and I'm going to show people and to do a triathlete across America, stop along the way and hand checks to programs. Man, to me, that's as good as it gets. I love that. I agree with you. I mean, he, he walked the walk. You know, he talked about it. He did it. He did something about it. Uh, the yeah. guy is a machine uh, to see. Like, every morning, you watch him in the mornings with their workouts on here sometimes, the shit they do. It's unbelievable. I look at his Instagram. I'm like, what the hell are you doing running in the snow? But the guy is just, a, he thinks differently. And that's probably why he's been so successful. He, he thinks outside the box, and he follows through with what he says he's going to do. You know, I'm a big fan of kids as well and getting kids active. But he goes out and does it, which uh, which I really appreciate. And, Wish I could be more like that, honestly. We got a guy on the chat. He said, Steve Young said he would rather have a quarterback that is an elite processor over an elite athlete that is an average processor, that is very cerebral, that can, you know, figure out what defenses are in, change plays at the line of scrimmage, et cetera. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. You know, I wish I could have both. You look at these guys who know exactly what what the defense is doing every single play. You got Tom Brady, Breeze, Rodgers. Not super great athletes. Rogers is probably the best athlete of those three. Peyton Manning didn't move around great, but they knew exactly what was happening every single play. You know, they, they dissected the defense, and and having played against some of those guys, man, it's it's tough to trick them. They know what you're doing. Unless they make a mistake, you're not going to make a play against them. Unless you get a sack or whatever. But they they're just they understand what's going on. Not to say that the guys who are athletic can't do that, but they, I feel like sometimes they rely on their athletic ability a little bit too much. I'm sure they're they're obviously smart guys. They wouldn't be where they're at. But they kind of rely on their athletic ability a little bit too much sometimes, and it gets them in trouble. I'm old-fashioned, man. I told you, I started trying to adapt. With, and, again, I watch every game every Sunday. I'm a freaking junkie in the NFL. Yeah. Quarterbacks that run get hurt in this league. 
And it drives me crazy when I hear about, well, you need a running quarterback. You need, no, you need an athletic quarterback. But listen, you use Tom Brady. He just went to his 10th Super Bowl. Does anyone give a damn what he runs to 40 in or what is that? Give me, and you and I talked about this the other night. You know what? Give me a solid offensive line. That's, and that's, I'll be okay. Give me a really good offensive line and my quarterback will look a lot better. And I don't give a damn if he's a super athlete or not. If he's accurate and can read defenses, I'll take that. I agree with you, but you know what makes the offensive line look really, really good? When you throw the ball in under two seconds. <laughs> when, when you got Tom Brady back there, and the ball is – he doesn't want – want, nobody wants to get hit, but Tom Brady knows right. where to go with the football like that. You know, Peyton was the same way, Rodgers, same way. They will hold it when they, when they know they have time, but the ball has gone so fast that the offensive line have to appreciate that. They know they don't have to hold their blocks very long. Just don't screw up too bad. And they make their linemen look really good sometimes. I'm not to say the linemen aren't good. But it's nice when you have a guy who knows where to go with the football and how to get rid of it quickly. It's it's amazing how good those offensive linemen look when, when they can do that. Before I let you go, there are a lot of phenomenal athletes that think that they're going to be playing at the next level when they're in college. And yeah. then you see then you see a player that just wants it more, that has a better work ethic, may not have all the tools in the toolbox, but they work harder, they do certain things that are different, and they end up being you know, studs in their respective sport. You've probably seen that a lot over your career, right? The desire, the work ethic. I call it hard. The, I'll use the word yep. intangible. That goes for a lot in pro sports, doesn't it? A thousand percent. You know, you can't – the measurables are all there. You know, all, all these guys in the NFL can run fast and jump and do this. But it's the guys who kind of don't have the measurables, who who put the work in and they, they spend extra time in the film room. They do the extra things to get better – and they contribute where they where they're needed. You know, the, I I used to love it. Coach Coach Smith would always keep like two or three guys who weren't drafted, just free agents who just busted their ass every training camp. And a lot of guys, they, coaches don't keep those guys because they're not good enough. Not, Coach Smith always kept them because he thought they could help our team, and they always end up contributing somehow. But it's just it's amazing to see those guys who, who don't always who weren't always the highest recruited guys who weren't drafted. But they they make they play 10, 12 years in the NFL because they contribute somehow to a team, uh, whether it's special teams or whatever. I'm not talking about kickers. I'm talking about guys who contribute. <laughs> hey, Robbie Gold, <laughs> Robbie's going to be pissed at you. Robbie's going to be pissed at you. Kickers are different. Rob, Robbie's a badass. I mean, imagine kicking at Soldier Field for 10 years in those shitty conditions and <laughs> kicking 90% of your field goals. Dude, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I got so much you know, respect for Robbie. What's more unbelievable? What's more unbelievable is that the Bears did not re-sign him. And shit, it's 2021, and he just signed a new deal with San Francisco. I never understand that. That, that you know, as much money as as they have, not they, but teams having the salary cap, you can't find money to sign one of the best kickers in the league. Uh, I was I was shocked that that didn't happen. And he went to San Fran, and, and he's done great out there, playing another Super Bowl. Got to kick another Super Bowl, but. Yeah, that hurt my feelings. I was gone already, but it still hurt my feelings. Robbie deserved to be a bear for his whole life. What's next for Brian Urlacher, man? What do you see in your crystal ball in the future? Same old stuff, man. I'm, I'm a preacher, or a creature of habit, man. I do the same things every day. I drop my kids off at school, go ride my bike, lift. I don't lift as much as I should. Every once in a while, I go get a lift in, and I play golf. You know, I love to, I love to fish. So I come down there by you. I'm here in Miami. I'm in uh, Naples. I go down there. Once or twice a month, and I fish. My kids love to fish, uh, uh, golf, fishing, riding my bike, hanging out with my kids. I Man, that's about. I don't see that changing anytime soon. I'm enjoying myself. If I don't enjoy myself, I'll do something different. But I'm enjoying myself, so I'm gonna keep doing that. 
Well, I enjoyed chatting with you, man. Uh, first time I did have a chance to speak to you, as I said, were a couple of years ago at Lake Tahoe. That doesn't suck either, sitting yeah. up there on the driving range at that venue. <laughs> I can't wait till July. Every year in July, it's one of yeah. my favorite. It's, it's just, it's fun. You know, you got the great people there. Yeah. It's fun. To, hopefully the fans are back this year. I really hope they get back yeah. out there. But it's stressful because playing golf in front of people is not that good. It's, it's stressful because I'm not that good. So it's nerve wracking. But to be around all those celebrities and athletes is, is a blast. Hey, it was a blast talking to you, Brian. Thanks very much, man. Thank, I greatly thanks, appreciate Grant. it. Stay healthy. Take care, buddy. See ya. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Erlocker. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Manscaped. Hey, spring has sprung, and Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Now, this legit package has precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and will help Unlock your confidence and best self this spring. Now, the Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Cordless Body Trimmer. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce shaving accidents. Manscaped, they obsess over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And, folks, they only use the best ingredients in their formulations. In the perfect package, you'll also get the Manscaped Crop Preserver. You'll get the Crop Reviver. And on top of the Lawnmower 3.0 and formulations, Manscaped has thrown in two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Patent High Performance Reducing Shaping Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Folks, get 20% off and free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at Manscaped.com. Dot com. That's 20% off with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. All right, time now for our Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to crowdultra.com. If you have not already signed up, do so. It just takes a moment. All right, Corey wants to know, what's your take on Kevin Durant attacking Michael Rappaport on Twitter? I did my rant on this yesterday. Check it out. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, I think Kevin Durant's got a problem. I, I really do. I, I don't know what his deal is. But again, check out my rant from yesterday. Trevor wants to know, is the 17-game NFL season due to financial necessity? I don't know if I would use the word necessity, but clearly it has a financial angle to it. Necessity? That may be a little strong of a word. Ryan wants to know, who do you think is the best player turned analyst broadcaster? That's a great question, Ryan. That's a great question. Yeah, I'm a big Chris Collinsworth fan. I think he does a phenomenal job on Sunday Night Football with uh, Chris Collinsworth. I think Grant Hill uh, does a really nice job analyzing basketball. Those are two that just come to my mind, but I'll give it some more thought. That is a really uh, good question. Ian wants to know, how often are front offices dishonest with players? Yeah, I don't know if I if they're really dishonest with players. I think more so with agents, which filters down to the players. And, you know, dishonest, uh, it's a very good word you use. Listen, it's a business and things change in a hurry. You can say something to a player at 11 a.m. in the morning and the scenario can be completely different at 12 o'clock due to, you know, a phone call with an agent, a call from another general manager. So, yeah, it's a big time business. And sometimes 
you know, things are said to players, and you can call it a promise, you can call it whatever you want, and then boom, things change. David wants to know, is it ever worth using a first-round pick on a wide receiver? Absolutely. Yes, of course you would use a first-round pick on a wide receiver. Are you talking about the first overall pick? If you're talking about the first overall pick, I would say no. But on a first-round pick, yeah, of course. Uh, Tim wants to know, have I ever interacted with Stephen A. Smith? I have. Marty McNeil, who was the longtime beat writer for the B, introduced me to Stephen A. Smith when he was with the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer way before he became well-known. And then once he became well-known, I've had a couple of interactions with him. He has always been unbelievably nice and gracious and uh, nothing but good things to say about him. Derek wants to know, where does Ian Book rank with other quarterbacks in the draft? I read something on Monday that had him as the ninth best quarterback in the draft. I'm thinking a late round draft pick for the Oak Ridge High School Notre Dame quarterback. All right, Kevin wants to know, does it make a difference that NFL preseason games are now scheduled by the NFL instead of teams? No. No, it does not. Does not matter uh, at all. Neil wants to know, was baseball better in the 90s because of Roy's or a different style of play? No, baseball was better in the 70s and in the 80s when the game was not so specialized. That, to me, is when the game was much better than it is now. Uh, Henry wants to know, how will the 17-game season impact league records? Same way that when the season went from 14 games to 16 games. Remember when the season was 14 games and then it went to 16? Same thing. You know, it's just the way it is. Dan wants to know, what's Jimmy G's trade value? I would have no problem having Jimmy G as my quarterback if I needed a quarterback. Whether they're going to be able to make the deal or not remains to be seen. But, you know, I think when Jimmy G's healthy, he's a pretty good quarterback. I don't think he's great, but I think he's pretty good. Ross wants to know, how do I think Darnold would do with a better team? I think he'll do fine with a better offensive line, not necessarily a better team. The line he had with New York was terrible. I'm not saying that he's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but we really don't know. Sean wants to know, whatever happened to Keon Clark? He actually was imprisoned. I believe he had a nine-year sentence. I don't know if he's still in prison, but that's the last time I had uh, heard. Uh, Sean also wants to know, why didn't the Kings keep Gerald Wallace? Well, because they had Peja Stoyakovich and Hito Turkoglu. Gerald wasn't playing much, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, ben wants to know, will Andre Drummond thrive in L.A.? I don't think he'll thrive in L.A. I think he'll be good in L.A., but I don't know if I would say uh, thrive. All right? Somebody wants to know, will Chris Sale make an impact with the Red Sox this season? Boy, that's a great, great question. Uh, They better hope so. Uh, They better hope so. And then uh, finally, Mr. Wolf wants to know, do I like the schedule change made with the tourney this year? I actually do like it. Yeah, it's moving it along. Yes, I do like that. Thanks very much for the questions. Just go to crowdultra.com, sign up, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on the podcast. It's time for Rant. 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 Now time for today's rant. And once again, 
It is brought to you by my good friends at New Works Plumbing. For your plumbing needs and repairs, just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. You know, I don't get the infatuation with these pro day workouts for the quarterbacks. You know, I hear about, you know, Justin Fields the other day and how just incredible he looked and this and that and this and that. You know what? The guy's out there with a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on, throwing the football with no defense coming at him. A quarterback better be good in his pro day workout. I I don't pay attention to that stuff. You know what I pay attention to? I have every single snap that he took in high school. I have every snap that he took at Ohio State. I don't need to worry about a pro day workout. I I really don't. I mean, we get carried away with this stuff. Is that the way you play quarterback in the NFL with no pads on and no defense? I already know that the guy can throw the football. I get that. You know, we keep on hearing about these quarterbacks and their pro day workouts and, uh, you know, Zach Wilson, and we can go on and on. Hey, if you're good at your position, if you're a good quarterback, you better look good at your pro day workout because, again, you're out there just, you know, I mean, come on now. No defense, no pads. You better damn well look good. I don't understand the infatuation. People get carried away with this stuff. You know, speaking of Brian Urlacher, you know, I talked to him about this the other day, not necessarily on my podcast, but for the first time three days ago. And he agreed with me. He doesn't understand it either. You know, now the combine is different because you can do a lot more things in the combine, which you didn't have this year due to COVID. But the, uh, the, the, the I mean, it's, I can't even freaking talk because it's driving me damn crazy. The hell with these pro day workouts and the overreaction to it. I don't need to see a quarterback in a pro day workout when I've watched him take every damn snap in his college career. That's what I'm going by, not his damn pro day workout. Drives me freaking crazy. I'm, it drives me so crazy I can barely talk. I'm infuriated by it. Just a major overreaction. Stop it already with that nonsense. And that's my rant for today. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you are listening via Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor. Take the time and rate it. Leave me a comment. It's greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out my video rants over on YouTube as well. Hey, have a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.